Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. We're asking do we need to do more for the nighttime economy? in this country because the new sale of alcohol bill this was the bill that would see a fairly major transformation of the country's nightlife for instance it was proposed it's understood that the new law would allow for pubs and clubs to stay open until six o'clock in the morning this bill has now been delayed it was hoped it would be in place by Christmas and we're asking are you disappointed that it has been delayed or what shape would you like to see the nighttime economy take in this country. Robbie Kish is with me on the line. Robbie's a DJ and he's part of the Give Us the Night campaign. Well, Robbie, first of all, are you disappointed that this bill has been delayed? Um, like, well, listen, like, yeah, we, we'd love to see it brought in as, as soon as possible. We've been outlining these issues for years now. Um, the campaign has actually been around for 18 years and I've been involved for the last five. So it's been a long slog of us trying to uh, emphasize the needs of kind of diverse range of spaces in the nighttime economy and what they actually need in terms of reform of the laws. Obviously, we'd love to see this come in as soon as possible. Our understanding is it's going to go before cabinet within the next few weeks. So, you know, we hope to see some movement on it as soon as possible. But, you know, we just wait with bated breath to see what the announcement of the heads of bill are going to be. And then hopefully this, these will serve to provide some sort of positive conditions within the nighttime economy because mm-hmm. it sure is needing of it. Um, the, some of the, the elements of it that I mentioned, I suppose, look, the big one, really, the pubs and clubs staying open till 6am. Have you heard any other changes or um, inclusions to that? Like no, we're not privy to any uh, specialist information. To be honest, we're just like the rest of us. But like, at the end of the day, our our interest and the campaign's interest has always been in trying to create more of a diverse range of offering in the nighttime economy, and with a specific regard for music venues and late night entertainment venues. And like, you know, I don't know for your listeners, just I think some of the things that need to be emphasized here is the fact that there is no real distinction within our licensing regime between, let's say, a pub and a music venue. And those type of things are something that we think is really, really important to see in this reform, because at the moment, you know, there's really no distinction between a nightclub and they're forced to operate by rules which are much more suited for different types of businesses, which like, you know, focus on the sale of alcohol, I suppose, whereas for us, I think what we would love to see in the nighttime economy is a diverse range of, of, of offerings that are not necessarily focused on the sale of alcohol. Mm. If you're a young person, for example, trying to organize events, let's say, in this country, you have to go to a pub or a nightclub to put something on. And those type of limitations mean that there's like a real focus on the sale of alcohol for the provision of cultural uh, activity at night. And those type of things, I think, are things we can see divestment from that if we have a more flexible regime, which works for all different types of businesses which operate within the nighttime economy. So, you know, like even just this weekend, I think is a really, really good example of where this kind of activity could go. There was an electronic music festival in the National Concert Hall. I was privileged enough to be playing at it myself and I was DJing in the National Concert Hall at half one in the morning. So like that's the type of activity I think that we could try and think about in real terms, not just in our big, you know, cultural institutions, Mm. but also in smaller cultural spaces across the country. And even things like specific things within the licensing system, which are very interesting things, like very archaic laws, like the Public Dance Halls Act of 1935, which has been committed. I know. So when would you last have seen a dance hall? Well, this is it. And (laughs) even even the precedence of late night entertainment going on past three o'clock, you know, I was looking just the other day at dance hall posters from the 1950s. And these are events that were happening in Cahir Savine and in Killarney and across yeah. rural Ireland until three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night. 
these ideas that we don't have these type of activities happening late at night in our country. Yeah. There's actually, it, this is a very recent thing. And as, as the campaign has tried to document, we've gone from 522 nightclubs in 2001 to 85 today. So you're talking about an 80% reduction in mm. dance floor spaces across the country. So there's a desperate need for this reform. It really needs okay. to offer flexibility to a wide range of businesses. And I really hope if it does come in and it is effective, then we can see a, a lot of different types of activity, providing particularly a lot of social infrastructure for our young people across the country. Yeah, oh, yeah and that's it. Look, not everything is going to be around what, what people will see as the headline in this, which is, you know, most likely the pub and the nightclub and, and 6am being discussed. Robbie, stay with us because I've been asking people uh, to get in touch today to... Give us an indication. I mean, how do you feel we need to support the nighttime economy or what shape would you like to see it take? I mean, have you travelled to other countries, maybe across Europe and their, you know, maybe their nighttime economy, their offering is something that appeals to you? If it does, 53106, let us know. Kim is with us on the line in Dublin. Kim, I believe you're you're a trader in Dublin city centre. What's what's your thoughts on um, the reshaping, the transformation of the nighttime economy here? Well, I think it's really short-sighted at the moment. Um, I thought it was short-sighted when it was first announced. Um, anybody I've spoken to has uh, gone along the line of we need a cultural explosion. And, you know, if there was a business for that, it would exist. We don't actually have to marry it up to alcohol. We already have alcohol problems in this country. So why do we have to license the bars to open? They could stay open without serving alcohol. And then if they wanted to have dances, if they wanted to have any kind of cultural event, it could continue until six in the morning without the alcohol. So that would prove whether it was cultural or whether it was alcohol based, really, wouldn't it? Is that not I a mean, fair is that not a fair point, Robbie? Um, well, actually, at, at the moment, it isn't. I don't think it is the case that that like we've we've proposed for an entertainment license and also a, 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 like um, a basically separating our licensing system so that we're not just licensing for alcohol sales. There also is a proper licensing system for for events or entertainment licensing. Um, and the reality is that within Irish law at the moment, there is no effective essentially entertainment license. There is no real effective system for that. So that I think that this is what this reform is is going to try and provide. Like. Again, like the type of changes that we're talking about, these are incredibly archaic systems. We don't have a light license, for example, in, in Irish law. There's no way in which uh, venues have to, they have to apply for special exemption orders every single mm-hmm. night, which costs 410 euro per night. Yeah, and like as in, I totally agree with Collar. Like, I think we need to create different environments that are not focused on the sale of alcohol. But the reality is, if you're a young organizer, event organizer, or even just even a, a, just a, a normal promoter or a venue operator, you have to focus on the sale of alcohol for the, you know, for the provision of your business. Now, I think from our, the point of view of our, our campaign, we're we're trying to suggest ways in which we can divest, uh, like you know, businesses focus away from the sale of alcohol so that they can provide other entertainment event, uh, uh, other entertainment offerings and make those mm. the kind of the primary so- function of their business. And I think that that would help in us divesting our, our, our you know, our behaviours away from the consumption of alcohol as well because the reality is at the moment there's such a limited offering in the nighttime okay. economy if you were to go out. Yeah, no, no, and I, I, I take your point but I, I, I get the sense, Kim, that that's actually, that, that is the, uh, that's the recommendation that you are making that, you know, if you look at the cult- cultural institutions that we have, your museums, your galleries and all of that. Well, I think with the museums and galleries, Andrea, a lot of them are run. I mean, I don't know if these people realise that a lot of them are run with the help of volunteers. And a lot of those volunteers would be retired people. Now, they, a lot of them are also run with government money. So if they're not making money in the hours they have, how do they make money in the extended hours? 
I don't really see how that's going to work. I was an event organizer myself for many years. And really, you know, everything revolves around alcohol. If people have a good suggestion and they come up with it Mm. without the alcohol base, I think they should be pushing it. But you don't hear very much about that. And I also think that, you know, there are all sorts of issues in town. Uh, Lots of them are social issues around addictions of various types. But one of the issues is that our transport system does not support a late night uh, venue. No, I totally uh, agree with you. And that I has passed, to form part of this, like... Well, I passed Brooks Hotel the other morning at 10 in the morning. Two Americans were leaving. They were with the doorman and they had asked him to get a taxi. It was pouring rain. They wanted to go to a museum. In that area, a museum is very close by. He was apologising profusely to them that it would take 40 minutes at 10 in the morning to get a taxi. We have people being attacked every night in town. We don't hear the half of what's going on. And here is this, this suggestion that we run these late night venues and these people are then let out on the streets to find their way home with possibly a few drinks on board. It's just not a solution. The solution is we need to get fundamentals in town in place. I feel the city centre is not being properly run. I don't think we have anybody who's fighting for the city centre at the moment. And I really think that the city centre needs a rethink. Everybody is ignoring the fact that COVID brought in a social change of a scale that we would not have imagined. Mm. I mean, we would not have imagined it. Everything has changed. I spoke to my brother in New York the other night. 43% of offices have gone back. The rest have not. Outlets there that were there for hospitality-related purposes that would go on till the early hours of the morning are now closing at 10 o'clock at night because the business is not there. Now, if you are a trader in Dublin City Centre, you will know we are experiencing exactly that. Exactly that. The business is not there. So I would suggest that a step back has to be taken And we have to actually repair what's there, encourage people back into town, look at the things that we're doing wrong, which is traffic flow and the provision of public transport, get all of that working properly, and then move on to other suggestions that are more carefully thought out. I also see that lots of hospitality in town is now closed on Monday and Tuesday, and some of them are in fact closed on Wednesday. I know, and it's a very interesting point that as well, and I'm sure, Robbie, that's something that's been well considered is the provision of staff. Like, I don't know how many times on this show we've talked to people working in not just hospitality, but across a range of businesses, and they will consistently cite the issues around getting staff, and that's to operate businesses that close at maybe 10pm or half 12 at night how we're going to facilitate staff till all hours of the morning I think is a, is a, is a very serious question to Listen, form part abs- of this I, I fully agree and I, I, there's nothing I disagree with with your caller there like, at the end, like we've been involved in the Nighttime Economy Task Force which was set up through the Department of Culture in 2020, in 2020, uh, in 2020 and that involved basically stakeholders across the nighttime economy. So you're talking about people from the National Transport Association, people from the Department of Health, the Department of Justice, the Department of the Environment, talking about soundproofing issues. Like these things have been considered. And, and you know, there was a report published in uh, November of 2021 with about 40 actions that are kind of looking to, again, just as your caller says, bring, you know, activity into the city centre. Mm. From my perspective, in regards to antisocial behaviour within our city centres, I think that the, the best solution towards antisocial behaviours is increasing social behaviour, you know. And I think when you bring more people into the city centre, then the city centre becomes a place which feels more safe. Well, um, but I absolutely agree with your caller. Like, there, there is massive, th- like, you know, there is massive issues in relation to transport and those things need to be resolved. Now, that's not to say that these things aren't being considered and that campaigns like mm. ours aren't, aren't trying to raise okay. these issues for government and, and, and get uh, 
advancing on these kind of things. We've been consulting with government on these things for about two years and we'll continue to do so and hopefully... Yeah, I really Anu, look, and I, I, I think I think Kim is 100% spot on, Kim, about the, you know, the, the, the public transport provision has got to form a part of this. But I also think like this thing of everybody kind of piling out onto the street in and around the one hour, the, the one 60 minute time slot that everybody seems to arrive out onto the streets looking for public transport, I think that too is a part of the problem. You'd imagine that this nighttime economy change might help in some way to address that. This texter says, when I was a student in Manchester, there was a cafe in the city centre that would open until around four or five in the morning. And we'd sometimes go there after the nightclub or a gig for a chat and a coffee or tea. They'd even served pie and mash. It was a lovely way to socialise or keep warm when waiting for a taxi. John is on the line. Um, John, what's your thoughts on later closing times? Um, hi there. Um, I was just listening to the other two people. Uh, I worked abroad for um, many years in Belgium, uh, in big city, Antwerp, Brussels, um, Leuven and the likes, in the Irish pub uh, trade. And... Um, People just went. Uh, people went home at different times. The pubs had no specific closing time. They closed when it kind of it was no longer viable. And uh, from um, like putting doormen on or security, there was no need for that because just people drank slowly, had what they their few drinks, went home when they needed to go home. And people that want to stay out later did. So there was no. You had no people piling out on the street at the one time. Would you have had a large police presence when you say there were no doormen, John? No, they'd be on duty like normal. Yeah, they'd yeah. be aware. They'd be passing through in the cars. Some would pop in for a coffee. Some would pass. Yeah. And I was there for maybe seven, eight years. And never did I remember ever having a, an issue with a, with a brawl or a fight. And we were, one of the Irish pubs was in Antwerp, which is like a population of mm. over a million. Multicultural, right in the, right in the city centre. Bruges, obviously more touristic. Um, about uh, Liège, different places. No, there was never... You'd also have little cafes then that just, when we would be off duty, we'd often finish up at one or two in the morning. We'd head out to some cafe. We'd know it'd be hopping between two and three. We'd go in there. It might die a death at three. We'd know to go to a, a cellar bar with 40 people inside it for another hour. If we decided that, some would say, I'm out of here. We're going home. We're mm. done. Um, then we could go and get a half a chicken, like that lady said with mash and pie. Half a chicken would roast it with... Whatever we wanted, yeah. I call it hitspitcher. Spitters, a guy it was operated by a small operator. They were making their money, two or three staff on duty, a small business. Uh, you could also, at that hour of the morning, say, "Can I have a little beer with that, please?" Or you could get a, a pizza and then have a beer. Which, when I brought some friends over, family, they were fascinated by. It. Like, you can have a beer at four in the morning with your half a chicken. I go with your half a chicken work. and your your mash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, but it's it's. I think there are smaller businesses op- operating. Okay. Nighttime is open and there was taxi services and they were making money because they were constantly bringing people home all the time. Obviously you need uh, kind of taxi infrastructure there as well. Well that's, yeah, but absolutely and that's often I think where smaller, a lot of the problems arise. Yeah and there was all cafes so you had smaller, there were well, maybe the, the super nightclubs may struggle with the amount of security staff, overheads, what have you but the little guys, two or three operators you know, two guys mm. decide we can open a little cafe here, a little derelict small building, small rent, they can do you know they okay. would feed off, like that pie place, they would go, there's guys there in two or three pubs doing different... I mean, we could go at midnight and have a, a meal and go to a, a drag kind of event at 12 o'clock at night and have... So there was just a whole different offering, basically, that, John, yeah. for, for yeah. people. It wasn't just the, the stereotypical, the pub no, um, no. And, and the club. 
Um, yeah. Jared is on the line too. Jared, the, how do you think we should change the nighttime economy? Well, I tell you one thing, we want to do something about the public transport system. That's a, that's a joke, like, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, we taxpayers seem to get the blame for everything, like, you know what I mean? Which is not right. We can only manage certain people at a certain time, like, you know what I mean? Look, if you want to change the public laws, drinking laws, that's up to the public themselves. Are you going to employ extra staff? Are you going to pay extra wages? Are you going to put up the price of alcohol? I mean, you have a duty of care to their staff to get them home, like, you know what I mean? But, I mean, definitely when the public transport needs improvement. Now, I'm not talking about taxis. I know there's a little bit of a problem with taxis, but there's the Lewis, there's the Dart, and the, and the bus service is starting to improve, but we could definitely do it with more Lewis and more Dart. And I don't get lame excuses from uh, the PRO from the Dart. Or I can't think of his name, but about uh, maintenance on the track. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, that's just, that's just passing the book, like, you know what I mean? Okay, so you, yeah, no, I, t- I totally take your point um, around public transport for sure. Um, Kim, do, do you have any concern around, um, I often think, you know, in the, in, the, in the context of this conversation, we're now at a stage with the housing issues of we're trying to encourage people back into city centres to live in the towns. Um, do you think the later opening hours would deter people from that? Absolutely, because people don't feel safe on the streets as it is. Every day I'm talking to customers and they do not feel safe. And then you see the example about Brussels was very interesting there. But the thing is, I live, I walk down Camden Street every day and recently there's been a tiny little premises empty there and somebody very cleverly put a sign in the window saying, if this was your cafe, it would cost you eight euros an hour. However, if you gross that up and add in Dublin City Council's costs and the bid course, that's actually 90,000 a year. So the running of a little small business here has a very different cost base than it has in other cities in Europe. Mm, okay. The other thing I would have to point out is that in years gone past, we, we, I, I don't think that Dublin lacks in nighttime activity. And talking to people who come here, I don't find that they think that either. I think we have a thriving nighttime activity. And I think that um, in years gone past, we had the nightclubs, we had the Leeson streets, and we had the old Manhattan where people went for a pint of plane on the way home and the breakfast and all of that sort of thing. But if it's not there, it's very possibly because there isn't a demand for it there. Now, we are heading into uh, what is most certainly a cycle of rising costs for everybody. There is no question about that. And then these people are saying, well, let's encourage people to go out and, you know, stay out all night and spend more money that possibly just isn't really there. But I suppose it's often about spending money maybe in a different way. How do you mean? Well, it's not necessarily about go to the pub and and, and go to the nightclub and go to the chipper. Maybe what the whole, you know, the whole transformation of the nighttime economy will will give a different offering. Well, what's it going to transform into that we don't already have? We already have lots of poetry nights around town. We have lots of music venues, things are going on all the time, both large and small. We have uh, the pub culture, which is part of the Irish sort of psyche nearly. We have a huge restaurant trade here, absolutely enormous for the size of the city. I, I don't see what we lack here, really. Okay. Well, you know, uh, l- l- let's, let's ask listeners about that. I mean, do, do you think we lack anything? Is there something that's missing from our nighttime economy? Or maybe you think there's no need for this whole transformation, this new alcohol bill and the fact that it's been uh, stalled at the moment or certainly delayed was due to be in before Christmas. Maybe maybe there is just enough there. It's good enough as it is. 53106 is the number if you want to get in touch. Paul in Dublin has texted in, though, because he says, who are these businesses that... 
um, are looking for staff. My niece, niece has been looking for a part-time job while she's still at school and by the moaning from business people you'd think she'd have multiple options but nobody will give her a shot. Obviously she's no experience, she's still in school and you need to start somewhere to get experience but I'm absolutely astonished that she can't get a job. Keep your stories coming into us. Lunchtime live at newstalk.com. That's the email address if you want to get in touch. Kim, Robbie, Jared, John, thanks a million for uh, for joining us here on the programme today. Up next, we'll be chatting about, uh, well, what it's like to live in an Irish commune. Lunchtime live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.